yes, Filippo Giorgio for fucking ever. Like, dang. Welcome to Into the Wormhole with Larissa and Lauren. My name's Larissa Maestro. I'll be your captain today. And with me, I have my number one. Lauren Lowen, ready to Star Trek some Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trekking all the Star Trek. It's our job to Star Trek all the Star Trek. <laughs> well, like how in our last episode you said, Nog is just trying to Starfleet so hard. And- <laughs> Yeah, we need to use Starfleet in Star Trek as a verb more. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So this week, we decided to do a special episode in honor of API Heritage Month. API is sort of a blanket term for, <clears throat> if you're not aware, don't want to assume that you're not aware, but if you're not, API stands for Asian Pacific Islander. It's sort of a blanket term for anyone who identifies as from or descended from people on the Asian continent and from the islands in the Pacific Ocean. So I identify as API and because it's API Heritage Month this month, we're going to do a special Larissa's favorite Asian characters from Star Trek. Woo! (laughs) And just for the record, I'm white as fuck, so. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's cool. (laughs) None of us get to choose, you know? We don't get to pick. So this is not like a comprehensive list of all the Asian characters that ever existed in Star Trek. This is the ones that are important to me personally, and the ones that I think are important to the history of the franchise and maybe the ones that were like breaking the barriers. Obviously, we're going to talk about Sulu, you know, because we have to. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, Sulu is not my favorite Asian on Star Trek. But he is like the most important one. Because <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a very big deal. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go through this, like, this list. These characters are not in any sort of order. I was trying to rank them, and then I was like, why would I do that to my friends? That's not fair to my friends. Yeah, we haven't done that since MySpace, you know? Right? That's so so rude. Right? And that was hard enough, so let's not do it here. No, no, we don't need to do it. We don't need to do that. It's it. You're it's Tom, (laughs) Tom from MySpace, (laughs) and all these Asian characters. That's what we have. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard in uh, our top friends I'm also going to recommend again that anybody listening to this who's interested in this topic there is actually a podcast called All the Asians on Star Trek and on it are just any sort of person of Asian descent who had anything to do with anything Star Trek related and it is so much fun to hear these stories it's so so cool so highly recommend you check out that podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna just go ahead and start. I'm gonna start with uh I'm gonna start with some of my like we've already talked about these people or there's not very much material, but I wanted to mention them. Characters. Okay. I'm ready. Okay, so we already talked about all of lower decks. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know that it was a really big deal to me that Eugene Cordero was voicing a character on Lower Decks. He's Filipino. I am Filipino. I assume that the character of Samantha Rutherford is also Filipino, especially considering (laughs) our favorite moment so far. Right, (laughs) Our favorite moment in the finale of Lower Decks where he says, peanut hamper, there are so many lives at stake. Oh, my God. I dream about it. It's so beautiful. It was such a beautiful moment. So just a little shout out. Also, he responded to one of our Instagram stories, and it made my day. It was so cute. Yay. Uh, (laughs) Yay. Also want to mention 
Soji Asha from Picard. Issa Briones is Filipinx as well. She's half Filipino like I am. So I want to shout out to to her. And also they do show her quote unquote mother on like a couple of video calls and she looks Filipino to me. So it's supposed like the way that she's set up, she's supposed to be. Yeah. She's supposed to look Filipino. Okay. So there's that. Um, Commodore O as well from Picard. I want to shout out Tamlin Tomita, who is an excellent actress. If you've seen Picard, you know that she plays the scary spy who has infiltrated Starfleet command. And she is, so cool and so commanding. She also played the love interest in Karate Kid 2 and they brought her back in Cobra Kai, which I was also very excited about. Which <laughs> so I I didn't know that. I mean, you know. Either part of that. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on the problems I have with Cobra Kai. But that's not this podcast. <laughs> Join Larissa for her other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> My other podcast. Her- Things that are wrong with Cobra Kai or where are the Asians on this show? Anyway, now I'm going to dig into my actual list. So maybe we should just go ahead and talk about Sulu first. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Oh, my God. My phone's going off. It's okay. It's the Mario theme. <laughs> okay. Someone forgot to turn their phone off in class. Um, Sulu, <laughs> right? Yeah. So obviously... Sulu is important when you're talking about Asian characters on Star Trek. And there are a lot of reasons why he's important. One of which is the story of why Gene Roddenberry chose to have an Asian character and a Russian character in the main cast of the show. Um, And this was because of political tensions between the United States and Japan and the United States and Russia at the time. So he was making a very bold statement by putting these characters on the show because what he was saying was these problems are not forever problems. We're all going to figure out our shit eventually. Right, right. And what a beautiful thing, like to purposefully do that. So there's that aspect of it. And then in addition to that, it was important to him that he not make Sulu a character that was specifically from any specific Asian country. So he named the character Sulu after the Sulu Sea in Asia, which touches quite a few Asian countries in the in the Pacific Ocean, but is not specifically ethnically tied to any country. So... In a way, Sulu is supposed to just represent the Asian people, which, you know, uh, but at the same time, what it meant was that we can all relate to him. We can all feel like he as Asian Americans, as Asian people, we can all feel like he's ours. Yeah. So it was meant to be a move to make the character more accessible and a little more vague rather than uh, an oversimplification of a part of the world is which I think you're trying to get at. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I I love that. I love that, like, because of that, Sulu gets to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also means that it doesn't really matter what Asian heritage the, the actor playing Sulu has. So, like, we have George Takei, who has Japanese ancestry, he, which he's talked about quite a bit. He His family was put in Japanese internment camps in the United States. He lived in internment camps as a child. Like this is a, it's huge deal. Like he's still alive. You guys, he's an, he is a person that's alive who was put in a concentration camp as a child in the United States. (laughs) Things to think about. Um, But then when uh, JJ Abrams made the reboot movies, they cast John Cho, who is, Chinese American so it it's like it's kind of beautiful that like you can have sort of a rotating cast of like whatever Asian descent actor playing this iconic Asian role and also John Cho is hot (laughs) I have I like have a huge crush on John Cho 
I specifically in my notes that I sent to Lauren <laughs> cited the scene from Star Trek 2009 where he they're like on top of that like station and they're fighting those two aliens and he like whips out a fucking sword that like unfolds and just kicks some ass and then rescues Kirk. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yeah, after watching that and a lot of Mirror Universe uh, episodes yeah. for for this podcast episode, uh, I was like, God, there's a lot of a lot of blades. You know, we're used to all the little pew pew and mm-hmm. you know stunners and stuff like that, but it's like, oh, we actually got quite a few swords and and knives. I just like all yeah. these like short range daggers that everyone has. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I also like the fact that like I mean, we just talked about or or last year we talked. Oh, my God. What is time? You guys. I'm like, yesterday we talked about. No, this was like a year ago when we talked about Naked Time and Naked Now. And there's, you know, the scene with Sulu shirtless with the fencing sword. I think about that a lot. And I think about how much I love that they gave him a fencing sword instead of like a katana or something. Oh, you know? yeah. No, very good point. Like, I I love that it was like. You know, he doesn't need to be attached to something Asian all the time. Like, Asians can fence. (laughs) (laughs) Asians can get drunk and and fence. Well, and I don't know if you, in your research, that there's any insight into this. But you kind of always hear the story about Whoopi Goldberg talking about, you know, as a child watching Star Trek and seeing... And, and saying like there's a black woman on tv and she's not a maid that's the mm-hmm. the quote but i you know thinking about it it must have been important to also see an asian character at this time on tv um because they yes and, and still to this point we're still talking about as a society uh, about having certain certain peoples of certain races or ethnicities playing certain roles or them being played a certain way so i imagine yes. too that this must have been very important to see Sulu on screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we have a history in the United States of uh, with with Asian characters having them played by white people. Uh-huh. Yes. So that's that, you. This is a huge this is a huge thing. Like, I mean, for fuck's sake, John Wayne played Genghis Khan in a movie. You guys like this is not a joke. They cast John Wayne as Genghis Khan and they like put like tape on his face to make his eyes slant oh it's gosh. so fucked up it's so fucked up so i mean Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's oh god was around this time was in the 1960s which well, is when Star Trek was on TV you know and, like <laughs> yeah and let's not even forget even more recently like it affected not only our childhood. I mean, do you remember? Do you remember Short Circuit, like Johnny Number yeah. Five? And then years later, realizing that that one actor was actually in brownface the whole time. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit! Oh and, yeah. And you know, we had Johnny Depp playing uh, in the Lone Ranger. He was Tonto. Yeah, it was Tonto. Is that the character's name. Yeah. Which yeah. So like, unfortunately, like yeah, we're still dealing with this. I know. Um, Tilda Swinton playing the Ancient One. I mean, uh, yeah, like, and then Ghost in the Shell, like ScarJo was, yeah, Ghost in the Shell cast as that, and, and not that she was necessarily supposed to be Asian, but yeah. the idea that it's like, why, why are we not? Yeah, so this is something right. we're still dealing with. We are still dealing with this problem. So to actually see an Asian actor playing an Asian character on the bridge of a starship in the future in the 1960s is, it's so important. It's yeah, and so just be beautiful. a person, and just being a person. Like a person that that likes to <laughs> get drunk and work out, um, it's it's and and then to see him later in a position of authority, see to see him later as the captain of a starship, you know, like all of these things are groundbreaking for Asian actors. Like, there's a reason why Sulu is so important to us, and it's it's just it's so beautiful especially like to think about it in context now to think about like i just realized that like actually i'm gonna look it up what year did breakfast at tiffany's come out oh i mean uh, i mean i love audrey hepburn you guys but like oh my fucking god 
Okay, 1961. So it okay. came out. It came out earlier in the decade, but it's not like it's not like our culture had made any kind of progress during that decade with Asian representation. Oh, just so just like a few short years before George Takei was cast on Star Trek, Mickey Rooney was playing a Japanese character in a huge, successful Hollywood movie. Yeah, and basically with, played him as if I remember like a cartoon character. Oh my god, it's he, he stuffed cotton oh. balls in his cheeks. No. It, it is just it's embarrassing, it's painful. It's re- it really hurts like deep inside to see yeah. it, you know. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Yeah. And uh, like as someone who has like who like was obsessed with National Velvet when I was a kid and like who really who loved Mickey Rooney in uh Pete's Dragon. I loved Mickey Rooney and Pete's Dragon, but then to see him doing that kind of caricature of an Asian person, of a Japanese person, ugh, it it's so painful. It really hurts. It's just like, ugh. Then think about like, what, five years later, George Takei is on television playing an actual Asian person yeah, on a yeah. starship. And and like you said, it's a, it, it, he, for you, he's not a personal favorite, but you definitely recognize culturally just what, how impactful that was yeah. on so many levels. Yeah. So like, I can say safely that without Sulu, we wouldn't have these other characters that I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Can I, well, first of all, I don't want to step on your toes. Are oh, you no, okay if I move to, well, it's a question about TNG. I don't know if we're moving yeah. along, but I'm definitely kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking about that because, you know, he did want, um, Ron Barry wanted a, you know, Japanese character or Asian character, even though mm-hmm. at the time, historically, it was because of Japan. Yeah. Um, and then the Russian character and then, you know, we had, um, or a, basically a very diverse cast and then i was thinking about how like it's kind of interesting when you went to tng in the main cast all you really had was Jordy. Yeah. i realized marina sirtis was i think her father's greek if i remember yeah like you definitely had some different um you know heritage but still like really when it came to race and diversity you kind of just had Jordy uh, for yeah. the main cast like you see a yeah, cast picture yeah. and i was like Huh, that's kind of interesting, especially since Roddenberry was still so involved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as someone who grew up watching TNG and who like considers TNG to be like my OG. Yeah, like that's your my, jam. That's my jam. The main cast is pretty white. It's just it's it's weird. All of like all of the Asian representation is in sub characters. Yeah. <laughs> Like, don't know what else to say about that. Well, but we do Except know that, that some of those sub sub characters or secondary characters are are on your list. Yes, and mm-hmm. were very, very, very important to me. Yeah, it really, it really does suck. And I wonder why. Like, I don't, I haven't like gone deep into research about like why it ended up the way it, it did. Like, we all love Brent Spiner, but like Data's an android. They could have cast an actor of any kind of background as Data. Like, it didn't have to be a white guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, although it does seem like the history of, like, covering actors with makeup and prosthetics and hiding their, yeah, uh, you know, like, that's also a problem. And it's yeah, funny because when you do true. think about TOS, like, they all, I mean, when you really get all the characters together, it was predominantly white, too. They only yeah, had yeah. two people that were not white. But, but yeah, just, like, you would think in the second wave it would be like even more diverse and right yeah you think you think so i mean to be honest at this point like we have the the most diverse cast is the most recent cast oh d- definitely yeah yeah it's it's discovery like discovery has an incredibly diverse cast like the only straight white man on discovery in the cast of discovery is currently in season 3 is covered in prosthetics. <laughs> oh, oh, is it Doug Jones? Doug Jones. <laughs> and, which is a oh. beautiful thing, which I love, which I love. So, uh, I mean, 
there there has now been more progress but like yeah it's it's a it's interesting to to like go back and really think about it and like look at the at the cast of next gen and think i mean there's more black representation but one of those black actors is an alien you know oh so, yeah 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 it's, exactly like, that's a good yeah. a, a point like in a way you're like eh, michael doran doesn't really count because he's playing a klingon and yeah you know, I've, I've definitely read some interesting perspectives about how i guess yeah like <laughs> to use those words again quote quote that doesn't count you know cause, yeah because um, it's it, that's not really black representation that's an that's a black actor playing a an alien character. yeah yeah or like i was reading um i don't know her name very well who's the one who plays uh in the newer movies uh who's the actor who plays Uhura? oh uh zoe saldana yeah like she's in Gar- uh uh bleh, guardians, guardians of the, of the galaxy. galaxy yeah and they were like talking about how again representation but like uh she's covered in green so it, it's kind yeah. of saying how like when you when you take um uh yeah actors who are black or poc and then and then that happens it sort of like negates all of that um, yeah so yeah. that was kind of like an interesting perspective to look it to is look re- at that it is really interesting and i i mean i i get it it's but it's also like i i still want to see that though yeah no 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 it's true it, yeah. i mean it kind of goes back to the point we were saying of lower decks about you still want to see a cat character can be voiced by anyone yeah and yeah, it's exactly. not that yeah like the default isn't oh, a white person right yeah right it, it's just about opportunities you just want the same opportunities for everyone exactly yeah 100 percent. exactly yeah so here we are at at tng so i'm just gonna qu- i'll quickly talk about Alyssa Ogawa Patty Yasutake she doesn't do much she's not really in the show that much you know but just seeing her there when I was a kid was such a big deal just like especially now that we've just talked about it because there were no Asian people in the main cast so seeing an Asian woman in sickbay with a lot of responsibility Mm who's like literally in a lot of in all the episodes she's in she is Bev's right-hand person. Yeah, she know? has responsibilities and she has lines. I yes. mean, she's not just like yes doctor, no doctor. Like she actually has full-blown conversations. And again, just to just to actually experience like a, an Asian actor in a role, like that again yes. was a, a big deal. Yes, and she's so sweet. And so, like, adorable and, like, helpful and lovely and caring and kind. And I just fucking love her so much. And she's so cute. I just thought she was so wonderful. And one of the, one of the many reasons why I was like, sickbay is the spot. All the cool ladies are in sickbay. <laughs> I go to sickbay. I can hang out with Nurse Ogawa. I can hang out with Bev. Like, hell Yeah. They've got experiments going. They're growing some kind of like pink mold. Hell yeah. Let's check it out. They have shiny blankets. Right. So many shiny blankets. <laughs> All the shiny blankets. There's also also in. um What is that? Is it? Uh, I forget the name of the episode where is everyone. It Genesis. Yeah. Genesis. Yeah. Because I was she... going to bring up that her and her unborn child also like save everyone's save ass. Save the whole save the whole ship. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. Thanks, so... Alyssa. We love you. Uh, so there's. There's that. Um, we talked about her a little bit because we covered Lower Decks. Yes. The TNG episode, Lower Decks. Um, and then I really want to talk about Keiko. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about her a little bit before because we talked about Molly. And Warp on... delivering her baby. <laughs> yes, and Warp <laughs> delivering her baby. <laughs> so we've had moments where we talked about Keiko. But, like, I'm, I'll just reiterate that, like, Keiko and Miles were the first couple that I saw on television that looked like my family Mm, that's so beautiful and I I brought that up too about how they were really the first interracial couple and what I always appreciated and I didn't realize until later when I was an adult but they never made it a huge deal that they were an interracial couple it was just two people that were married and as a kid that was really nice to see um, because it was just it was just normal yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't a thing. It was just here. Here they are. 
that that was like so fucking important to me to to be able to see myself and my family on my favorite TV show. And especially since, I mean, it's only like recently that like you even see an interracial couple in a commercial for something. I you know? still remember that shift in culture. And we were, mm-hmm. you know, we were definitely on the older side. Yeah. But I remember when commercials, they they were testing the waters. It would be like a bank commercial or like Cheerios. Yeah. And you would get interracial couples, but you could tell. It's funny because like you could tell they were sort of testing the waters like okay we'll have someone who looks maybe hispanic and somebody who's black or someone who's asian and you know someone who but it was like it took a while i felt like before they got comfortable enough to be like we're gonna have a a white person and a black person obviously in a relationship but i remember seeing that and being like this is really interesting yeah because because it's like it it, they should have done it a hell of a lot sooner Yeah, they should have. Because, like, just think about, like, who you're marketing to. Like, there are so many people (laughs) that you're not including in your marketing that might want to buy your product. If we're thinking about, like, yes, we do live in a capitalist society and, like, we have to advertise for this shit, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it just, like, makes sense logically in that sense. But also, like, media is important. It's an important part of our society. So, like, I spent most of my life thinking... Or, or not thinking this, but like being told by media that I that my family was not normal. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that families don't look like mine. Like real families don't look like this. Like you're different. So and, it was the the you know the feeling of being othered because all yes. I'm seeing shown in media are families that have two white parents and two white children, and that never looked like my family. So then I turn on fucking Star Trek and I get to see. Keiko and Miles and I get to see Molly who is like a little me who is like me that was like fucking important so just just the fact that that existed for me so cool plus then we also got the gift of Keiko's wedding dress and wedding hat (laughs) I love it I know others don't I love it I have to mention it you can't mention Keiko without mentioning her wedding outfit but then the expansion of her character in DS9 was fucking wonderful. The fact that she, well, I mean, there are lots of like smaller issues. We could get, we could get nitpicky and I could be like, you're a botanist. Why then are you qualified to teach a classroom full of all ages of children? I don't understand. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Um, the season one episode of DS9 in the hands of the prophets where she goes head to head with at the time Vedic win. I'm just like, fuck it. Like, yes, cake. Like, look at you. Like there, she's like she's strong. She's standing her ground. She is intelligent. She is like and she's fighting for something that she believes in. And it's beautiful. And and she's not like being shown as like a tiger mom. She's mm-hmm. not being shown as like a, a a sort of like there's that stereotype of like an Asian woman being like a, uh like an almost like an S and M like stickler like like you know yeah, it's like, like it's like in media the the cliche is like your the Asian woman is either really submissive and yeah. kind of falls by the wayside or um is is like super aggressive yeah just just to see like a an Asian woman who's just, who's a fucking person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who has, has like, uh, who has agency and has agency in her relationship with her partner, who has agency in her job. Like it is, that's so wonderful and so important. Yeah. Again, Keiko fucking yes. I will always just, love Rosalind Chow also like every time I see that Rosalind Chow is in something I'm like oh yes 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 I mean the first time I ever saw her was on Star Trek but then she was also in the very incredible and very important movie to AAPI people the Joy Luck Club which is like I mean if you haven't seen the Joy Luck Club you should see the Joy Luck Club uh, but also prepare yourself because it's really sad. Oh, <laughs> it's really sad, and it's really it's really sad. It's really important. It's about like 
uh, generational trauma. It's about family. It's about um, immigrants looking for a, a better life for their children. It's it's about like assimilating into white culture. It's about like it's so important to Asian Americans. And Rosalind Chow is a huge her. Her moments in Toilet Club are some of my favorite. Ooh, I'm going to cry. I'm just like thinking about that scene where she's sitting in the rain and she says, don't come near me. Oh, my God. Sorry. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but but seriously, Rosalind Chow is one of those actresses that I look at her and I'm like, you could have been like an A-list, like huge star, like huge star. Like, why not? <laughs> Because because in the 90s, there was room for Lucy Liu. Mm, and that was it. You know, Lucy Liu and Lisa Ling. Ooh. And what do we have? We don't have anything. We can't. We don't have space for anyone else. That's like, that's a real thing. Yeah, that, no, like, that's a really good point. Yeah. So like Rosalind Chow, who is this, who is like not doing big Hollywood blockbusters. She's doing like thoughtful pieces like Joy Luck Club. She's doing Star Trek. She's gorgeous. She's talented. She totally could have been on that path, but but like there wasn't space. There wasn't enough space. There's there's more space now than there was, but like I'm just like, why wasn't she why doesn't everyone know who she is? Like why? <laughs> She's <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So I feel I feel confident. I've talked about Keiko enough. Yeah, Rosalind Chow. Hell fucking yeah. Okay, yeah, moving on. Who is next? I'm just going to go in like chronological order now, I guess. Sounds good. So that puts us with Mr. Harry Kim. Harry. Harry. Harry, Harry. Harry, Harry, Harry. Harry. (laughs) Always the ensign, never the lieutenant. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, Larissa brought this up, but. You know, she's right. The whole time, he's just an ensign. The whole fucking time. The whole time. <laughs> what? I think, I think you said, like, you're like, what's with the Asians not getting promoted? Come like, on. in a previous episode. Yes. Like, like, Holy shit. <laughs> fuck. I mean, all of us that, like, <laughs> are in, in the fandom who, like, love and have watched every episode of Voyager, all of us are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, at least in the year of hell. Well, I guess I got zipped back, you know, but I'm like, yeah. everyone should have been promoted every single day going through that shit. Right. Everyone is the captain yeah. of the ship now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, they demote and promote Tom. Like Tom gets right? a promo- Tom gets a promotion and he wasn't even in Starfleet anymore. Like he was just like, What? I know. I mean, is it really like the nice guy finishes last here? It. I mean, kind of. Yeah. It's almost like he got forgotten about. He just. He was forgotten about. Just, play, just playing his clarinet in the corner. Oh, I. I do love that. I mean, there is like. Okay. Tell us so, about your love for Harry. It's undeniable. He's so. <laughs> he's so sweet. Is he proto Rutherford? Oh my God! Maybe. To some extent. Maybe. I wonder. I wonder if he is. Aw. He's always so preoccupied with his effect on other people. And, you know, like, in a way that's, that's like, that can be seen as a symptom of, of, like, colonization, of, like, of wanting to fit in. And that's something that I relate to, like, like, getting out of people's way, like, can't we all just get along sort of? Right, right. And also like like being quiet and not mm. causing problems, which is something that a lot of Asian Americans are taught to do. So like a lot of us, especially second generation, like we're the first generation born in, in the United States, we're sort of like taught not to make a scene about things. We're supposed to, we're sort of taught to like assimilate ourselves and stay out of the way and just be happy with what we have, you know, and not, not stand up for ourselves. And there, I see some of that in the character of Harry, but I don't think intentionally, I don't think it was intentionally meant to be seen that way by Asian people. You know what I mean? I think sure, it was, sure. it was just like, 
writers who probably weren't Asian that were like, oh, this makes sense for him to do. And maybe like subconsciously writing that into the character because of those stereotypes in our culture. But because of that, it made me it made me like relate really hard to him, you know, be like, I totally understand. Like you just want everyone to be happy. You're just trying to mitigate any like conflict situations. You're just you're trying to like think about what other people might want and be there for them. You like you don't want to like be a problem. You don't want to be seen like he he's like he's always like, oh, it's OK. Like, ah, no. Like, but what if and. I, I feel that way all the time. I feel like Harry a lot of the time. Well, and the funny thing is, too, is that if you really look at the way, I mean, it's an ensemble cast, but if you look at the way he pairs with Tom, which they kind of yeah. are like the goofus and gallant of Voyager. And yeah. yeah, like Tom's kind of the the asshole of the group, at least at first, you know, to some yeah. extent, but very loud. And, He's the and frat little, boy. Yeah, it's like, it's like that's the thing is they're, they they're really good friends or they become really good friends, but they are kind of opposite. So those mm-hmm. characteristics also balance the Tom and that sort of dynamic they have as friends. I do yes. have to mention that, you know, Larissa did give me, I asked her to give me some episodes to watch just so yeah. when we came into record that I at least was on like the same footing and I've seen plenty of Harry Kim episodes, but she it was wonderful how she delivered me to the shoot, which I think is season three. Yes. Right? Okay. So I I have to bring up this episode because I'm I'm watching it and it's one I haven't seen in a while. So it's like, oh, and it's a it's a good like Harry Tom episode. Yeah. But but it is the ultimate scenario of Harry trying to nice his way out of a situation. <laughs> they are in an alien jail. Where everyone has like a thing in their head and they're going crazy and basically like destroying each other. And Harry's just still trying to hold on to all his niceties. And at the very end, because he's trying to, there's like this, it's called the shoot. And there literally is like a shoot where not only the prisoners come down, but the food and everything. And they're trying to get up it. Yeah. It's like a really big, ugly laundry shoot. Exactly. (laughs) And he's like, if we just work together. And I mean, literally, they're throwing pipes at him. It is the ultimate like, let's guys, let's work together and we could do it. And he gets like smashed. And in the end, it doesn't work. That's what I love is that his his let's let's be friends, guys and teamwork doesn't work. He gets something slammed into his head. And then in the end, Janeway and Tuvok come down with like phaser rifles or whatever and just, you know, blow shit up. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like oh sorry harry and you know his thing was more about probably just not killing tom than rescuing them but yeah i thought there was something like sadly appropriate to that yes 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 i mean that's why i chose that episode is because it's like it's so hairy it's so hairy to be like but there's good in everyone yes we can work together Ah! deep down i know that you care about the person next to you and that we can make it work like he is so like and and this is this is like evident in his character too he is so believes in starfleet yes yes (laughs) he's like yes like teamwork we can do it and that there is there's something so like lovely and sweet about it. And even though he does sort of become hardened, like there's that one episode where like he goes back in time to like save the, you know. Oh yeah. 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 I saw that one recently. Yeah. I forget what that one's called, but like old Harry is, is like, (laughs) he's jaded as fuck, you know? And he's just like, I ruined everything and everything's terrible, but it's also still like, there's that idea that like he is responsible for everyone. Yeah, he like he is he is still yes. tortured by this. Yes, yes, yes. You're like, right. That's like cares. ultimate nice guy episode two. Yes, yes. I don't know if, if anybody listening does Enneagram stuff, but Harry Kim is a two. He is the helper. No question. He is an Enneagram two. No discussion needed. <laughs> I also feel like it's worth to say it that our friend Adrian, who I know listens to this podcast, uh, he has a story about Garrett Wang just meeting him at uh, a convention in Nashville because Adrian used Aww. to 
help out at some of those doing IT, I believe. Oh, fun. So he, Adrian had to, um, I think, I think that's it. Adrian, if you're listening and I'm botching the details, sorry. But I do remember accurately that Adrian said that he was kind of responsible for like just just being there for when Garrett Wang was like between appearances or something, you know, just just they were kind of killing time behind the scenes. And he just said Garrett Wang was generally a, a, a pretty cool, and nice guy. And Aww. I'm like, that sounds about right. Um, I mean, that checks out for me, too. Like, I've I've listened to a few episodes of the Delta Flyers podcast that he does with um, Robert. McNeil I didn't and know they this. yes they re they're re-watching all of Voyager and talking about it and it is fucking adorable it's like really cute and they're like they like get off topic all the time and they just like talk about random shit and it's it's really sweet because they're actually like really good friends oh <laughs> so I've listened to a few of those and it just seems like I mean Garrett Wong just seems like a sweetheart did I say his name wrong oh yeah it's Wong I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh, no. But uh, he just seems like a really kind guy. And, like, he really enjoyed his time on Voyager quite a bit. And I know that there was, like, I mean, if if you've done any research on Voyager, you know that there was, like, tension between, um, there was tension between Jerry Ryan and Kate Mulgrew when Jerry Ryan was cast on the show. And... That was really there was there's like a a clip of Jerry Ryan and Garrett Wong at a convention talking about that. And Garrett Wong starts crying and talking about like how he wishes that he could have done more to like help that diffuse that situation. And like it was so hard for him to see people like like being in pain. And it's so like I'm just like, dude, he was is is he Harry Kim? (laughs) I I mean, like he's very he's a very emo- he seems like at least a very emotional person but a very like emotionally mature person who like really genuinely cares very deeply for his friends and for his coworkers and it was just it was very like moving and like Jerry Ryan's like comforting him and they're like hugging and it's like so fucking sweet and very like vulnerable and intimate and i was just like man i like i love you Garrett Wong i love you i just yes I love you. And yeah, again, I just like related to Harry so much because I felt, yeah, I, I really felt that way a lot when I was growing up. Like I had to like, you know, just be, be good, be, Aww. be good, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. no, I understand. Totally. Aww. So yay. Harry. Aww. Aww. Aww, Harry. <laughs> oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. Oh, Harry. I just want Harry to be happy. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we can move on now, I think. <laughs> okay, so that puts us, yeah. oh man, so we're going oh, to yeah. Enterprise. Here we go. So I got to talk about Hoshi. I am so curious about, yeah, you talking about Hoshi, because again, you finished up Enterprise. It's been a long time for me, and yeah. um, I definitely have thoughts about the episode you gave me, but I'm really curious to hear about your relationship to Hoshi. Yeah. So I watched Enterprise for the first time. I was in college, I guess. And I was just, I was so happy that there was an Asian character on the cast again. Again, I believe she's an ensign the whole fucking time. Is she? Ah, She does have a cool role. Like, I like that she's the linguist. Yes. I mean, that's my, that's my thing about Hoshi is that she is a fucking genius. (laughs) And they need but, her. <laughs> and they really need her. But she's not a genius in the stereotypical, like, oh, good point. Asian child superstar genius kind of way. She is a hardworking, studied person that is not like, she's not overly disciplined, um, which is something that is a, a stereotype that's applied to, uh, educated Asians yeah, regularly. Yeah. She's not like a, she's not a stickler again. Like she's just, she's really... very, I was going to say it's, it's more like she's just very vital. Like yeah. it, it's not so much like she's a genius and so she can figure everything out. Um, but it's just her role as, cause they don't have the universal translator really, really, yeah, like she's you know, it's like still designing the, it's infancy. The u- yeah. She's extremely vital. It's not like they've just yeah. given her like a throwaway role where, yeah, 
Yeah, it's like she's she's kind of necessary for. Yeah, like she's literally designing the universal translator. Like she's yeah. in charge of making the universal translator what it becomes in um you know in the timeline in future Star Trek what it, what it ends up becoming, and there is there's also written into her character this love of language, and she's very inspired and interested to learn about language. Like she's not just just like you know, blanket, like I'm good at this and I, and I'm just going to do it a whole lot. It's like, it's actually written into her character that she's passionate about it, which I really appreciate. There's, there's a, I feel like in a lot of sci-fi stuff, you get a character that's just like super smart and super good at a thing, but you never you don't really see a uh, passion for that subject written into that character. They're just like, this is what I do. And I'm a robot for this thing. And I don't, I've never felt that way about Hoshi. Like, I think she wants to do what she's doing and she's really excited about it. Again, there's only a few seasons of enterprise. There's not a lot of character development for most of the characters yeah. on the show, but like as a young adult, seeing Linda Park on this show was like really cool. And I just think Linda Park is so cool and lovely and sweet. And she's so pretty. Here's my question. She's so pretty. Do you think, I mean, again, yes, enterprise only lasted so long and enterprise probably won't have the longevity, I would say as the other shows. Um, But do you think especially, Hoshi will kind of fall away maybe more like will she will Hoshi get left behind and 10 years later will will people still be excited to see Linda Park at a at a Star Trek convention right. or did, did mean, Enterprise like waste because that's what I can't remember is like with the what was it on like three or four seasons Enterprise I thought it was three yeah I mean but TOS was I mean TOS was TOS but yeah. they were it's not like they had seven years either but yeah. I, I often wonder, I'm like, man, unless you were like, the unfortunately, the white people in Enterprise, like, yeah. I feel like Mayweather and Hoshi are going to like, yeah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mayweather was so underutilized, like, especially <laughs> Travis. I know. Just like, oh, come on. He's such a cutie pie. And he's got <laughs> he's he's like talent. Ugh. We could talk about underutilized characters also. <laughs> Well, this is okay. But, let me yes. let me ask you about the Hoshi episode you gave me because yeah. I have an interesting theory and I want to know your thoughts on it. Okay, yeah. So it is um, an episode where they use the transporter, and again, just like the Universal Translator, this ta- technology is in its infancy. So mm-hmm. Starfleet has approved it, but it's only been used like a couple times in the show up, up at this point, and there's yeah, still and it's a lot of. They've you, been using it on cargo and not on people. Yeah, there's a lot of hesitation to using this for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, and so Hoshi and Tucker are on a planet. There's a storm coming, and they and they they say, "Hey, we got to get you out right now. We have to use yeah. the transporter." Yeah. And um, Tucker goes first, and then Hoshi goes next. There's a problem with it, and we don't know that until later. But basically, it, it's set up so that you think Hoshi is kind of just being ignored slightly. Mm-hmm. But it's more that she's starting to go like out of phase. Like, I guess a different frequency is for lack of a better term. Yeah. But part of me is thinking, was Enterprise a smart enough show to do that to Hoshi? Because kind of what you were talking about, because there mm. is that stereotype of especially... Of especially Asian women being yeah. more, you know, fade back into the the backdrop and being invisible, quiet. yeah, erased. Or or were they not smart enough and they did it further pushing that stereotype? That is so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they were smart enough. To be okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like at the end yes. of the episode, I was thinking, like, this is so curious that they chose the Asian female character to do it from now, like a character like Tucker, you would never believe that like people would not notice him when he entered totally. the cafeteria or mess hall. Um, and I realize how she is supposed to be just as a character, like 
not as loud as like yeah. an archer or a tucker. But I did think it was interesting that they chose, oh, they chose Hoshi for this yeah, plot. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have thought about, I I thought about that when I chose that episode. I really wanted, because I chose that episode because I wanted to choose an episode that was something that centered her. Yes, and I'm sure there's um, not many that, yeah, that are like, that it's a Hoshi and, episode. There's like the Beauty and the Beast one that's like, oh. Uh, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but just from you describing it in the past, I'm like, yeah, it's no. He's like, stay with me, and I'm lonely, and uh, God, I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna have to watch this just because now. It's ridiculous. She's lovely. She's just, she's <laughs> so lovely. But like that episode, I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are you writing another Beauty and the Beast episode for a few fucking Rick Berman? Is that uh, gonna be one of our remixes? One of our remixes is gonna a- be just. <laughs> All the times Rick Berman <laughs> fucked things up. Um, but yeah, I wanted to center her, but I did think about how it was interesting because now there is so much more talk about the AAPI experience. And I'm I'm glad that there's more talk. I'm, I'm sad that it's because there has been such a rise in attacks on our community, but there's now sort of an ongoing conversation, ongoing public conversation about specifically Asian women's stories being erased and, and our experiences being erased. So it is really, it's interesting to see this episode and think about it as, as a, um, an expression of that experience. Yeah. Because it's not only does she walk through this episode vanishing more and more, you know, then at the end, She's told that none of it actually even happened at all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting, especially in, in this current context, even think about like, like viewing that episode in that way, I I think makes it even, even though that's, that's almost entirely not what the intention was. I I agree. Um, It, it feels like looking at it through our current lens that that's sort of, to to imagine that that it was the intention is kind of a beautiful thing because a lot of us a lot of women in my community feel that way mm. a lot of the time even when we have an experience we were told that it didn't happen <sighs> uh, right nope it didn't happen that didn't happen to you <laughs> you didn't experience racism they were just curious nope oh. anyway <laughs> yeah i mean it's like whatever but I think I think it's interesting to think about it that way. So I'm going to choose to think about it that I, way. Yes, yes. Yeah. All um, right. So who who are we on next? So we guess... have one more to talk about. Oh. That's on my list and that is Philippa Giorgio, played by the inimitable Michelle Yeoh. So when I found out that Michelle Yeoh was going to be on Star Trek. I lost my fucking mind because I have been a fan of hers for many years. Uh, I mean, probably since um, her crossover to Western cinema, which was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That movie like blew my mind. I've always been a fan of Ang Lee's. I love Sense and Sensibility, but Crouching Tiger is so fucking gorgeous and beautiful. And Michelle Yeoh is so like statuesque and like just magnificent. The way she carries herself, the way that she like. It's very regal. The way she's so regal. She's fucking magnificent. (laughs) And she's like she I mean, she did a lot of her own stunts in Crouching Tiger. Like and there's some crazy shit in that movie. She's she's just so cool and I just have loved her so much. She's also she was also in Crazy Rich Asians. She plays the matriarch in that movie. Um and she is dang. <laughs> As someone who's also read the books, I was like, "Oh, that's Eleanor <laughs> right there." Um so when I found out she was on Star Trek, I was like, "This is a fucking dream come true <laughs> for me." And then she dies in the first episode. <laughs> and I was like, fuck this show. Fuck this. 
I was like, how dare you? How dare you do this to me? I was so sad. I was so upset. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this show. But the way they fucking bring her back, man. This is the best mirror universe shit in the whole franchise. Yeah, we should probably say for this part. I mean, if you have... I think like if you haven't We're seen Discovery yet, three. you're not going to care for spoilers, yeah. but there's yeah. definitely spoilers. This is one of the newer shows, so we just want to give you a heads up. Like we yeah. can't we we have to spoil things in order to talk about her. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't seen Discovery like and you're like, I don't know if it's worth it. It's worth it. Just watch it. It's great. For me, I got like really deep into it like season 2. And then season three is just a fucking gift. Season three of, of Discovery okay. is a joy yeah. and a gift, especially for Michelle Yeoh's character. So I'm not going to say too much about season three. <laughs> it's so funny because I have also seen a handful of Discovery episodes yeah. mainly for this podcast. So in a way, it's like it's also like spoilers sp- between yeah. you and me, which is I interesting. Like, oh, OK, she's still you. there. Yeah. So Captain Philippa Giorgio. Which, by the way, awesome name. Just going to throw that in there. Philippa Giorgio, who has a very close relationship with our main character, our protagonist, Michael Burnham. A very close, very uh, maternal relationship with Michael. Um, She dies as a result of a choice that Michael makes. And it's very difficult emotionally for Michael to, like, handle the situation, to process the situation. She has a lot of trauma. And then <laughs> Mirror Universe Philippa Giorgio enters the picture. She is Emperor, Emperor Philippa Giorgio. She also has a maternal relationship with Mirror Universe Michael Burnham, who she loses. And there's their relationship, like Mirror Giorgio, Emperor Giorgio, and our Michael Burnham from our universe, their relationship is one of the best parts of discovery. Like their, their friendship, the way that they, they like the way they interact with each other, the way they come to really care for each other. It is so wonderful. And also mirror Giorgio is a fucking badass. Like she is just so in charge. She's just kicking ass left and right. She does not give a fuck. Can I insert myself real quick? Yes, please. As somebody who, like I said, has only seen like maybe, maybe, maybe three episodes and they're all from season one. I was, I text Larissa last night because I was watching this one from Discovery, which is I think season one, episode 12. Yeah. And uh, do you want to give the name of that episode? vaulting ambition yeah so this and i was lucky enough that the other episode i had to watch for the doctor was very much like right before this so luckily yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. You and got... I've, I've read about discovery like i know i know some of the big details at least not of season three but of season one yeah. two um so i wasn't completely lost but it was like last time on star trek discovery and i text larissa being like i've just watched the catch-up yeah. segment and i'm like what the fuck is going on uh-huh. um but I was actually fine. But at that point, they have entered the mirror universe. Uh, when I give props for the costume design, it, yeah. it looks really cool. This mirror universe, guys, is not fucking around. No. Like, no. The best scene that stuck with me after this episode, because I, I know, again, we're not here to talk about the episodes, but I, I just have to. Yeah. Uh, is, is, um, what is, what species is Doug Jones' character? Oh, Do shit. You know? I need to look. I can't remember the name That's right okay. now. That's okay. We'll just call him Alien. What's his character's name? Like something of an S? Saru. Saru. Okay. So there's I'm Doug Jones' look. alien character, Saru. And uh, Michael comes to see the emperor. He's Kelpian. And, um, okay. And so after after this, this big celebration where it's like, we found Michael. She's not dead in the mirror universe. And she goes to the emperor and... Um, the emperor just goes choose your kelpin and there's there's three of them and one of them is doug jones it's, like, yeah it's Saru, the mirror yeah. universe equivalent of saru who she knows and so you can tell that michael's like i don't know what the hell i'm doing am i picking like are they going to be my new assist like indentured servant or like what happens and so she just picks the one she knows and then later they're just eating a meal and the emperor casually mentions about how, like, their chefs 
are the finest when it comes to cooking kelpin and so like michael just picked her friend to eat like one would pick a lobster at a restaurant and uh, i was like holy shit holy <laughs> shit um so like that was a genuine moment where it got a big reaction from me and i'm like damn they're not they're not messing around they're not fucking i just have to say what i like about when they enter the mirror universe and i have to say this too about because you chose mirror mirror for sulu yeah i love the fact that when they actually get in the mirror universe their first reaction is like something's wrong but just play play along yeah play it cool uh everyone from kirk to them they just instantly are like something's wrong but don't let them know that you're not supposed to be here every single time they do it in ds9 too yeah see i'm really curious now to go back to deep space nine because i i like the mirror universe more than i remembered i usually Mm -hmm. stay away but now i'm like we got we got to go back to those deep space nine mirror universe episodes yeah yes please so going back to Giorgio, in my opinion her character arc from from the beginning of season one from the beginning of of her introduction as emperor Giorgio through season three of discovery is one of the most interesting and compelling character arcs in the show period but also like kind of in star trek for me Huh. Okay. Uh, she, I, it might be worth it just to get through three seasons just to witness just for that, that firsthand yeah yeah, I mean, like, like I said, like her relationship with Michael is like wonderful. They're the way that it's developed, the way that it's played, the way that the actors interact with each other is so beautiful and moving, like very touching at times. Yeah. So, so exciting things about Giorgio. Well, I mean, everything about Giorgio is exciting, but, um, there has been talk that she is going to be leading the cast of Section 31, the new show. As um, that character? As Giorgio. Okay. And that is so fucking but, exciting. But like the the Federation? Yeah. Giorgio? Okay, okay. So like so before she dies. No, and... no, 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 no. Oh. No, like... Like mirror Georgia. Oh, is okay. Gonna okay. Be, oh, is going to mm. be section thirty. She would be cutthroat enough to do it. Yeah. Oh God. Right? Are they going to have no? No, they wouldn't have Sloan, right? No, Sloan no. wouldn't be around. No. Sorry, but that would be really cool though. <laughs> like this is like the beginning of sec. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Becoming yeah. an Kinda entity. Like, yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. And you know I've, what? I've oh. also like I read a, an interview with Michelle Yeoh where she so they told her that her character was going to die like right away. And she was like, I don't want to do it then. And they were like, no, 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 no. But you're coming back. And she was like, oh, I'm coming back. <laughs> so what happens? And when they told her like what the idea was, she was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for you to see. I'm, I just I cannot wait to talk about like her story arc with you and like what happens. It's so OK. Cool. It's Deal. so exciting. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are my Asians that I wanted to discuss. Um, <laughs> Is that our episode? Larissa's Asians? <laughs> Larissa's Asians. <laughs> the ones that were important. I mean, honestly, we talked about a lot of them. But um, as, a, as an Asian American fan, all of them are important to me for a, like a lot of reasons. So, so and I appreciate what these characters have done for for me, what they've done for other people interested in science, other API people interested in science, other API people interested in acting, you know, like showing showing us that there is, again, and we've said this before, the thing about representation on a show like Star Trek is that they're showing people that there is a place for them in the future that is no small thing that is that is a a big deal so like for me as an as a api person like seeing all these api people is so fucking great i mean actually in this list that i made all of these actors with the exception of michelle yo are asian american so they're all American, which is like a, which is very 
much a big deal, you know, to be, to be casting like somebody like John Cho, somebody like Garrett Wong, who are like, I mean, I grew up in the United States, you know, like I grew up here, American and, and casting them as Americans where they're speaking with their natural American accent. Mm, Yes. Yes. Uh, They're not pretending to be uh, from the motherland. You know, they're, they're just, yeah. Garrett Wong just talking like Garrett Wong. Rosalind Chow just talking like Rosalind Chow. You know, like. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. And I mean, even the first one, George Takei, he was American. He's American. (laughs) Yeah. So these, these things, I'm just trying to illustrate again how important representation is and yeah. by by talking about how important it was to me to see these characters on my favorite shows. That's great. Yeah. And uh and Loris, I'll just say it again, that podcast you recommended, um, is it All the Asians on Star Trek? Is that Yes, it's, it's called, called All the Asians on Star Trek. All right. Well, you know what? Happy AAPI Heritage Month, you guys. Jazz hands. Jazz hands, yay. Go support an Asian local business in your city. Like go have some like badass Asian American food this month. Cause there's, there's a lot of like really fucking great Asian American food. If you're in Nashville, mama Yang and daughter, they make these incredible dumplings. Oh my God. They're so, they're all handmade and they're so good. (laughs) Please eat their food. Find us in the collective at intothewormhole.show. On Instagram at intothewormhole.podcast. Into the Wormhole is brought to you by We Own This Town. She can see them and now Hoshi. It's up to Hoshi to stop the aliens and save Enterprise. And maybe learn to communicate with them because that's Oh, that's what she does. No, there are so many lost opportunities on Enterprise.